My name is Bob Madar, and I welcome you to Episode 2 of the Caregiver Edition of the End of Life podcast series from Lumina Hospice and Palliative Care in Corvallis, Oregon. I'd like to introduce you to Nora, who's been caring for her husband, Mickey, for the last seven years. She has a lot to offer us about how to manage a difficult situation with resilience, dignity, and grace. I began our discussion by asking her to talk about the events that led to her becoming a caregiver. Okay, so Mickey turned 99 this year. And I I was thinking about when did it start? And I think it was with a stroke, a small stroke that he had in 2013 in November, where uh, he, he suddenly became paralyzed, was unable to walk. We got him to the hospital. They were able to do whatever magic they did, and he regained his ability to walk. But things began to slip around that time. So it's been uh, over seven years, uh, and it's been a gradual process. It's getting harder and harder because he's more and more frail and uh, grumpy and as he calls it, I just feel weak. I'm tired. He's tired all the time and we, I think I've, I've kind of grown into it though. You know, when we married 47 plus years ago, I didn't think about it. He's 22 years older than I am. So here I am recently retired and ready to go um, see the world and explore. And he is, not able to do those things at all, so. Here's Nora describing a typical day caring for Mickey. Well, I usually get up around seven and I have these two gorgeous grandsons who are living with with me and their parents. And so I get the little boys their breakfast and then they go down to school on the computer. And they, you know, Zoom, uh, Zoom school. <laughs> and uh, then I try to take a walk or do something f- to, to keep me physically okay. I'm, I'm still trying for my 10,000 steps, even in the rain and the dark, though so I'm not doing so well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, use, I was doing water aerobics uh, for my back, which was really important for me, but can't do that now. So anyway, COVID has its own challenges and added to the the stress of caregiving. So then Mickey, so I have that little bit of time in the morning and then I deal with email and uh, planning what we're gonna have for dinner and all of that. And then Mickey usually gets up somewhere between, and I can't always predict, 11.30 and two and I get him his breakfast and I get him back to bed. He can't stay up very long. Uh, if he's up for half an hour, he's exhausted and he needs to go back to bed. So <clears throat> uh, during the afternoon, I am on call for him, whatever is needed. And I'll be called several times to get me a handkerchief, uh, cover my feet, like that. And then around 8.30, we tried to start the bedtime. Last night, I think he's going through an oppositional period and 
he just was not going to get into his nightshirt and he was not going to do it on my schedule. And it was finally 11 o'clock and I wanted to go to bed. And he still, he said, later, later. I said, okay, then I'm going to bed now and you can sleep on top of the covers if you don't want to get into your night clothes. And finally he got up to use the bathroom. I had to get up with him and I was able to get him into bed. But I, I guess the day, in, in around five o'clock, we have dinner, 4.30, five o'clock. Um, and then he'll want a second dinner. He won't finish it. He, I About an hour and a half later, he'll get up again and he'll eat a little more of it and then dessert. And that's his favorite. <laughs> When I took care of my mom, there were times when I felt frustrated and angry. I asked Nora if she ever has similar feelings. Oh yeah, last night I was so mad at him. I mean, I was so tired and I wanted to get him in his 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 nightshirt so I could go to bed and I could sleep. And it wasn't going to happen. And I was just like, damn it, <laughs> get your let me put your nightshirt on and let me help you. And and it, it was about six or seven times I tried. And it was just totally frustrating that I couldn't get him to recognize that, that I had needs also. And I said that to him. I said, you only think about you, you don't, in my anger. You don't think about anybody else but yourself. And it was, <laughs> then he's so helpless. I was already in bed and trying to go to sleep and he got up to go to the bathroom and I was terrified that he would fall because he's so shaky. So I got up and I went, took him to the bathroom and I waited for him and then I helped him. And at that point, finally, he was willing to let me help him. But this is already like 1130 last night. So I do get angry and I get tired and I feel grumpy and I I feel unappreciated. Yeah, it's hard. Oh, and yes. I'm sure all of us, if we're honest, sometimes feel that way. Like I've had the feeling of I wish I could just push him and it would be over or something. You know, you get that anger, you feel that anger, but I would of course never do it, but I can feel it. What happens next for you? Because I, I know for myself, one of the things I got was this this cascade of, of, of guilt, in a sense, that how can yep. I feel that way? Is that something that happens for you as well? I think sometimes this oppositional behavior uh, has to do with his complete feel, his feeling of complete lack of control. So he wants to get control back. Uh, and I understand that. I can understand and sympathize with it. Uh, on the other hand, uh, it, like coming to the table for dinner, uh, being there for the Hanukkah candles. It's, he, he, I'll, later, later. And I have to just step back and say, okay, so if he comes later, I'll just put the food in the microwave and heat it up and he can have his dinner, but he'll be alone. He won't be with the family and, or I'm not gonna sit with him. I'm gonna go ahead and watch my favorite news program, which is at 5.30 and I, I kind of really mm -hmm. want to see that. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's my little half hour a day that I, I want to watch the news. That <laughs> I think those kinds of things um, are, are kind of the warp and weft of caregiving in a way. 
because it, you know, again, and I, I know for me, there was a certain sense of, of loss because my mom wasn't my mom, you know, well, she was, was my mom. That's a huge piece of it, Bob, that, that Mickey is not the man I married. He's, he's like a two or three-year-old in terms of, of the oppositional behavior, the no, the, mm -hmm. the ability to take care of himself it's it's like having a child uh i i love him but it's a very different kind of love now you know we've been married for 47 plus years and congratulations that's a long time it's a long time and you know i wish i had thought more about about marrying somebody 22 years older when i when i did get married in my 20s um but i loved him and I still have quite a lot of energy, uh, though I'm finding it's, it's, I feel like I've aged a lot in the last couple of years. It's, it's wearing, caregiving mm -hmm. is wearing. And oh, yeah. I'm, t I'm tired because I don't sleep as well. Uh, I have to get up with him. Um, it's the grinding, it's a non-stop grindingness of it. That's hard, mm -hmm. it's just hard. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to see him slipping into a more and more frail situation. It's hard to see him losing his, his eyesight, his hearing, <clears throat> his ability to walk easily. I mean, now he has to be helped to go to the dining table or to go to the bathroom. He just has to be helped. He won't use a walker. He's pretty stubborn, so he won't he won't use some of the things that would keep him safer. So he relies on his cane and me. I mentioned to Nora that it sounds like she pretty much is on call 24-7. And our conversation then shifted to things she does that give her joy. usually ex except that couple of hours after breakfast mm -hmm. in the morning that I have a little bit of time I try to exercise at night I have I had serious back troubles two years ago and I couldn't walk and so the warm water aerobics and um, the physical therapy exercises I'm faithful to those uh, because it has made a big difference in my back so I do those at night after I get him down usually, but sometimes it's it's hard. I'm lying on the floor doing stretches. It's Nora. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. So, so what kinds of things do you do? So you have the morning period of time to get some exercise, a little downtime. Yeah. What what other things do you do to take care of yourself? Well, I was writing bilingual children's books, and I have twenty two on Amazon, and that that has given me, a, in the past has given me a lot of joy and it keeps my mind active. I am feeling much more scattered this year than I was. I don't have that concentration. And so I have three stories that have been illustrated already and I'm trying to get them put together. And it just, it just is very slow slogging and hard slogging for me. I, I can't focus the way I used to. And I think it's a lot of it is being pulled away all the time. So the, the writing of kids books, I like to cook fortunately. So making meals, so 
I'm grateful to have my daughter and daughter-in-law helping with that uh, also. So we have some variation. We made bunches and bunches of holiday cookies of different kinds and candies. And we just got those all packaged up and sent out yesterday. So that, that kind of thing is good. I'm planning to do uh, popcorn balls for the birds with my two little grandsons and make, make little popcorn balls that they can hang on the trees with the little perches and um, we can watch the birds enjoy them and they can eat them. They're pretty healthy. <laughs> oh yeah, it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now just, I'm, I just want to make sure I understand. So your, your daughter-in-law and daughter and grandchildren are living with you in the- Yes, yes. Oh, that's They good. came from Minneapolis in July when they learned that Mickey was on hospice. And um, they were living in student housing and Agleshka is working on her PhD. And there were so many people and COVID was so bad and they decided to move in with us because it it's all part of the- a family and they're they're wonderfully helpful in terms of making sure that incontinence issues get taken care of and the bathroom gets more thoroughly cleaned and things like that i don't even i i don't see these things anymore my eyes are not so wonderful and My introduction to caregiving was pretty abrupt. One day, my dad was alive and able to care for my mom, and the next he was dead, and I took over. I didn't have time to think about it, plan for it, etc., and pretty much managed on my own. I asked Nora if she had any support or help from resources in our community. Well, I think like you, Bob, that I was not prepared for this. you know, you're, you're peacefully and pleasantly living your life and then then you get thrust into it like you did. And uh, although I wasn't thrust into it quite so suddenly, uh, it, it, it was a more gradual process. I think, um, I, I'm trying to remember the first time I spoke with people at Lumina, but I was invited to a caregiver support meeting. And it was very helpful to me to meet with others who were in like situations and to be able to share our feelings and our frustrations and to laugh with each other and eat some popcorn and treats. They they always had uh, happy things at the meetings and it was really good to do that. And I, I guess I've been going about five years. I'm missing the face-to-face, but we're doing it with Zoom and mm-hmm. it, that still helps. And you create, you have friends. These these are people that you share some of your greatest intimate thoughts and feelings with. And mm-hmm. you know that it's safe to do that. It doesn't go to anybody else. So those have been resources for me. I asked Nora to imagine that she was in the lobby of a hotel and struck up a conversation with a couple as they were waiting for an elevator to the fifth floor. As the door is closed, the couple mentioned that they overheard Nora talking about being a caregiver. 
and wondered if she could give them any advice as they were going to be in a similar situation in a couple of months. What would she say? Take care of yourself because you are an important part of this equation. And if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of them. Uh, you're allowed to have joy. You're allowed to have fun. You're allowed to have a life. And when you feel that you're not having any of those experiences for yourself, um, you need to find them. You'll always be surprised. You'll always find it's harder than you thought it was going to be. Um, look for the smiles, look for the, the little joys if you can. Uh, stop thinking about and worrying about the got to's, have to's and should's. There's always going to be those and think about what would you like to do now? What will work for you now? What will work for your loved one? Uh, maybe, maybe you order takeout. Maybe you take an hour to visit a friend, uh, even if it's just by Zoom. Don't neglect yourself. Exercise, that's another huge one I would say. We're on the fifth floor now. Get out there and exercise. Because if you don't, um, you will fall apart. I've always liked to do things with others for others. And uh, like during the spring and summer and fall, I made jam to sell for the Limbenton Food Share and sold it out uh, under the apple tree in front of my house and on an honor system. So I, I love doing those things and I like to to get outside of myself. That's another thing I would advise. Get outside of yourself and do something for others. When when you're struggling and you can do something for just even one, one little candle, one person, uh, you feel better. And do what you can uh, to make a difference in the world if you can. <laughs> I feel like an old woman sometimes. and. Usually, Me too. I feel like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have a pretty yeah. young spirit and there's a six-year-old that lives in here someplace and I need to find her and, and let her go free because there's that delight that I, I have felt, you know, at my age now, just looking outside and watching oh, the birds or what, all the, all the things that, that give you joy, mm -hmm. but you've got to find that little kid inside you and let him or her play. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You're dealing with very serious and sad things. So. I agree. I agree. Taking care of an ailing loved one can be challenging and difficult. Patients' personalities change due to strokes or other health issues, or from resentment at declining mobility, strength, memory, or the ability to control their own lives. The daily life of a caregiver revolves around providing care, keeping track of minutia, and dealing with the grief and sadness that comes from seeing someone you love get more and more frail and vulnerable. 
That's why it's so important to take care of yourself and seek out support from other local folks who are going through similar circumstances. And as Nora pointed out, getting outside of yourself and doing something for other people. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll return for Episode 3, when we will meet Nan. She's been caring for her disabled husband for a number of years, and Nan has a lot to say about caregiving and how important the regular meetings of the Caregiver Support Group, facilitated by Lumina Hospice and Palliative Care, are in helping her help her husband.